You're listening to the HNC Let's Talk podcast, hosted by Dexter Brooks. Thanks for tuning in to HNC Let's Talk podcast. We partner with subject matter experts to provide candid conversations on health and lifestyle. Here at HNC Let's Talk podcast, mental, physical, spiritual, financial, and health are all connected. This episode of HNC Let's Talk podcast is sponsored by HealthNet Co. Together, we make insurance simple. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Dexter Brooks. I'm your host. I also have Jason Shankle here, who is our co-host. He's the founder and director of Inner Self and Wisdom. Our guest today is going to be Nina Sonoba Brown. Very excited to bring Nina on here today because she has a lot to talk about. Nina Sonoba Brown uses HRV training with high-performing corporate teams, business leaders, and individuals build personal resilience using biofeedback and neurofeedback. She's the founder and resilience strategies of Solonco specializes in employee assistant program, consulting, and resilience training for aviation education and physical and mental health wellness leaders. She's award-winning corporate wellness strategist, also college cycle professor, man, and was a beta tester for the Spire Product Health Tag, the emotional regulation device. Nina, Jason, welcome to HNC Let's Talk Podcast. Nina, you got a bio that's a biofeedback. So <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. Thank you for having me on too. So, so I want to jump into this really quickly because I am so curious about how this really works when you talk about biofeedback, neurofeedback, you know, in layman's terms. How, explain it. So, yeah, in layman's terms, we're just using tools to provide individuals with a reward system measurement so they can get a desired result. I want to sleep better. I want to improve my relationships with my family. I want to be a high performer at work. And so biofeedback is the biology feedback, what's happening physical, physically, physically in your body. Neurofeedback is what's happening in your brain to get those desired results. So the feedback part is just really tapping into a reward system. If I can, if I can show you something and give you feedback, that's going to get that desired results, better relationships, better performance at work, um, more intimacy at home, et cetera, then you're going to want to do more. And so the biofeedback really is just a training of a reward system to give you more of what you want in your life. Wow. Wow. Man. And Jason, your profession, how does that this all tie in to with you? You know, with this being the mental health industry, right, uh, it's a different modality, right? Uh, just like kind of how we were tapping in a little bit before we started, just conversating about it. I've also personally tried a neurofeedback and things like that, the binaural um, form of feedback, which uh, Nina will go more in depth into. But uh, just like what she's saying, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a brain training. And you got to think about it. I'm a talk therapist, a cognitive behavioral therapist, and a certified uh, addiction psychotherapist. So you got to think about, you know, when we're dealing with uh, – you know, a self-talk, critical self-talk, also trauma loops and, and things like that in terms of emotions, right? Um, 
that is just one thing that, you know, long term, because because it, it's really just the ultimate brain training. So there's some people that have had trauma to the point to where they keep replaying things, or it's just hard for them to break the monotony of you know, these depressive episodes and things like that. And with these modalities, right, uh, just like when we were talking about, you know, some people don't realize they're as stressed as they are until they shut down. Yeah, just that binaural feedback piece, I've had quite a few sessions. It was really, it's a, it's a really great modality, which is neurofeedback. You're also, meaning you also do biofeedback. So biofeedback, you know, I've, you know, read up on it. I have not tried biofeedback. So can you explain the working? and the difference between neurofeedback and biofeedback for the audience so they can really yeah. know what is about. Yes, thank you. And thanks for integrating those because oftentimes people want to focus on one, but we're seeing more and more research where, where we're learning that there's 40 years of, of data out there that tells us that our heart is an, is an intellectual center and that it sends more communication modules to our brain than our brain to our body. So I'll repeat that. Our heart sends more messages to our brain about what we're afraid of, what we're feeling, than our brain to our body. And so what, what I like to do in the biofeedback space is I'm certified in heart rate variability. And heart rate variability was really um, used primarily for elite athletes in the past. So um, Olympians wanted to get that little bit of advantage. And so they wanted to know, where can I rest and recover? How is my system responding to the stress of training? Mm -hmm. Now we're using heart rate variability. It's not the heartbeats. It's what's happening in between the heartbeats that we're measuring as it relates to emotional regulation. Mm. And so the biofeedback that I use is related to heart rate variability. What's, what's happening in between your heart rate, heart rates? Is it constrictive? Are the patterns, your heartbeat doesn't change, right? Boom, 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 boom. But the space in between varies. And, and it's, it gives us measures of how well you're handling stress. Mm. So that's the biofeedback. So the heart then sends messages to the brain that says what, what Jason's involved in, hey, when someone speaks to me in a certain way, I'm going to respond the way I did as a child or the way I did as a young adult, even though today it may not be serving me. So that restriction, that tenseness, we can see that in a biofeedback measure, how it's different from, from neurofeedback. Neurofeedback is the brain waves. So I can look at brain waves and really tell, sometimes I, I like to test myself and just before I, I connect someone to a device, I'd like to just get to know where they are and if they're activated, meaning if they're um, anxious, if they're accelerated, if they're in one of those trauma loops, as Jason explained, then we might see a very high intensity, very fast brainwave. And then the goal is to bring them into a lower state. And, and we do that with binaural beats where we'll have someone listen to separate beats in each ear um, Jason talked about earlier before we started that that can also be done with music. You know, that's why sometimes you'll say, I just want to chill. And so you might put on some jazz and that could also bring the brainwaves down. But neural feedback is anything that's taken. Think about the, the connections in our brains, the neurology, the connections in our brain. And then the biofeedback is the physiology. 
sweaty mm -hmm. hands. Sometimes you can measure pulse, um, breathing, etc. So, mm -hmm. question for you, Nina. Um, on the neural feedback side, I guess I'd say both. Is it possible? Can this be used for pain management? Yeah, yeah. Because that, I don't specifically use it for pain management, but there are in the in the biofeedback space, there are individuals that are using it um, for sure for pain management. Because what we're what we're doing, the one thing about this work, unlike what Jason talks about with the addictions, is that it this work doesn't break what's called the blood brain barrier. And so it's not going in and changing the uh, how our brain communicates under medication. It's really changing a behavior. Mm -hmm. So let's say that someone is in, un, in chronic pain. There is some research using biofeedback to help individuals manage that pain. Now, if it's where it's a physiological onset of pain, they may need some medication, traditional medication for that. But if it's where their body is tensing or what they're eating or not getting enough rest, maybe causing and contributing to chronic pain issues, then, then this type of biofeedback could, could really yield some, um, some results. That's I don't use it for pain management. I use it for emotional regulation, but I have seen some data points on that. That is truly interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it is really interesting. And also, as I listen to you, Nina, is, you know, while you're talking about that modality, I can hear how, you know, even with, uh, you know, talk therapy and, and cognitive behavior therapy, where they where they kind of marry one another, right? Because, you know, uh, with talk therapy and cognitive behavior therapy, it's more of a processing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, talking things out and actually making the connections and instead of having a philosophy of just, fixing something, actually working on the healing piece and then the physiological piece, because there's a lot of times where some people can experience trauma and they feel it in certain parts, certain parts of their body, which, right. um, which another form of a modality would be reflexology, right? For some yeah. individuals, which, uh, so reflexology is where they uh, do certain um, intentional points in the foot. And it's also shown with these th different type of modalities coupled with like neurofeedback. You can see how it could be an encompassing thing. And, and also one thing I, I want to also add is, is, you know, while the audience is listening to this and listening to these different type of modalities, um, it could sound like a, a grandiose type of thing where they're going, oh, man, my feet. Oh, man, I have brain waves. Oh, I got to sit and process. <laughs> you know, which I can understand, right? Let's break this down for just, again, in layman's turn. Modality. What exactly is a modality? So basically a modality is a, a mental health professional tool or uh, oftentimes it could be considered like a philosophy of how a person uses to, uh, like for my, from uh, my uh, view, from my lens of profession, I would be helping a person um, process emotions, right? And cognitive behavioral therapy is a form of a modality because it focuses on thinking, acting, and feeling right, in terms of behavior. So you can see how, you know, if you actually have to feel your feelings, that's the reason why feelings is in it. It just leaves an ing if you're not feeling, right, if you don't feel it, right? So you can see how cognitive behavioral therapy could create some uh, disconnections and something, how a person may have grew up, right? It's just like, oh, I mean, I had a rough life. It's hard for me to be vulnerable. When you get in relationships, you know, it's impossible to be intimate without vulnerability.
right? And if, if that is something that a person is carrying around, you know, cognitively in the self-talk, right? Um, yeah, that's really what I mean, what I mean by when I say modality, you know, brain is like the toolbox. And it's that classic saying, if you only have a hammer, every problem is a nail, right? So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're building something- it's, Or every problem is a brainwave. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then, so that's a pretty good, you know, segue piece where I'm seeing these pieces marry one another, because the thing about it is, is when you get into the neurofeedback, right, and you get into the biofeedback, it, it focuses a bit more on the physiological piece, yeah. right? So, yeah. and then, you know what, and, and another thing, I, I had a question about, to you, Nina, about um, emotional intelligence. How do you feel about that and how does that how does that actually tie in because when we when we hear people individuals going through these processes right and they're like processing and and finding out certain parts about themselves i'm just curious what are some of the things that you've seen you know in terms of having clients go through this process and in terms of their emotional intelligence or just what you've noticed yeah absolutely um i i the fastest way I measure emotional, emotional intelligence is not only how I'm managing my emotions to triggers, to things that might have me respond in a way that I don't want to respond, is how are they also managing others? Mm. And I like to say, you're more emotionally intelligent if something that triggered you, something that re you responded in a way that you didn't want to respond kept you out of the game of life for a week and now it keeps you out of the game of life for three days or 12 hours. Mm -hmm. So I measure emotional intelligence that way. Mm -hmm. The other thing I, I teach college courses and the other thing I started doing is asking my students to know their stress numbers. So in the beginning of the semester and at the end of the semester, they do what's called a perceived stress score. Mm -hmm. it, they use a perceived stress scale to get their score. And just by paying attention, and, and Dexter, this ties into what we were talking about in terms of this biofeedback, neural feedback is really just a measure to create a new pattern, as Jason said, new cognitive behavior, new pattern, change. Think about it as operant conditioning. I'm going to reward you, and you're going to want to reward and keep doing the same thing over and over. So these students, typically every semester, we're seeing around a 52 to 54% rate where they're either staying the same in their emotional intelligence or they're getting better with emotional intelligence. I rarely bring devices into the, into the classroom and all they're doing is paying attention. They're paying attention to triggers. They're paying attention to how they're responding to people. They're doing one thing, which I'd like to leave as a tool we'll talk about later, is they're stimulating their vagus nerve. Vagus nerve is, is I like to call it the Audubon of our nervous system. Mm -hmm. It touches all of our major organs. It touches our heart-brain connection. It touches everything. And we can regulate that to create emotional intelligence. And so emotional intelligence is just really, truly being aware of your emotions, managing your emotions. And these students are taking their post perceived stress score, they're taking that, that stress scale after and during finals. And mm -hmm. we're watching that those stress levels over a 90 day period, they're remaining the same or going up. And, and about 50 to 51% of that total number, they're going up. And it's just by paying attention 
sometimes I give them a challenge like um, you said that you wanted to do more water intake and how are we creating healthy brains and things like that but but that's my take on emotional intelligence is anytime that someone can show me and I just do the measurement scale Jason I just ask you know if, if five is that you're still going off and one you're not where are you on that scale and then they let me know Right, right. You know, that's interesting. Where do you teach at? Uh, you, you said you're a psychologist. I'd rather not say, but at, oh. in, the, in this community college system. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. I've taught, uh, the reason I asked that is because I've taught at um, the community college of Denver for five okay. years. Uh, oh, nice. I don't teach there anymore, but uh, yeah, and I taught psychology. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely love, just love teaching. Um, yeah. It's well, it's in our it's in our historical blood. It uh, is. Yeah, it is in our yeah. historical blood, the Shankle blood. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we've had this uh, talk. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's like a continuous circle, right? <laughs> yeah. So for those that don't know, Jason and I found um, that we are related, and yeah. that our ancestors from over two hundred years ago um, were oh. educators. Yeah. Yeah, we founded school. So. <laughs> yep. And it's through Shankle, Shankleville, Texas, right? Yeah, Shankleville, Texas. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real. So the, most, the other most famous person, Dexter, is Michael Shank, um, Strahan. Strahan, yeah, is also from that bloodline. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm looking at your website, Lena, Nina, uh, Salon, yeah. and I'm looking here, and it tells me that stress strategies for teams and corporate leaders. Now I've been in the corporate world for several years. I. I and I know how stressful in the corporate world can be <laughs> because of all the competition that goes on. Yeah. How does this stress strategy program work? Absolutely. So one of the things I, I think of and I teach organizations and individuals is how to build resiliency in the workplace. So if you think about, if you, if you, I like to break down the teams or the individual or the corporation as the brain, right? So are you operating, are you operating from a fear point? And that's the back of the brain, fight or flight. Are you operating from straight emotions? I get it, I get a text from Dexter, excuse me, an email from Dexter. I don't want to respond, and so I shut down. I get an, an email from Jason, I don't want to respond, I shut down. I get an email from Mary and I'm I'm responding, right? That's the middle part of the brain, emotions. So our memories and our emotions are held there. So maybe. I was on a team that was a high performing team and I was one of the lowest performers and everyone responded rapidly through email. So when I get an email, I'm triggered by that. So I teach them how to calm their system down. And then the front part of the brain, the kind of decision-making part is often a, a part that once we can get past our fight or flight at the back part of our brain, our emotional center where our emotions and our, our memories are held, we can really perform. So it's really reworking that. So I'll give you the best example of working with a local um, executive who was really in a crisis. And I said to him, I said, um, I would like to come to your office. And this is how, what I am always trying to find an entry point that is the fastest and the cheapest entry point for neural biofeedback. I said, I wanna to come to your office before your meeting. And I went to his office I kid you not, on an early Monday morning, he was having a big meeting with his team, his senior team leaders, and I had a bag of ice and a, um, 
this sounds crazy now when I think about it. I had a bag of ice and a paper towel, several paper towels in this bag of ice. And I said to him, before you go into that meeting, we have got to calm your vagus nerve down. Remember the vagus nerve is like our Audubon. It touches all of our systems and it also, when it's calm, it gives us about an hour of um, that calm state, research says. So he was activated and I just had him take, literally take the napkin and put it at his neck, the base of his neck, because the vagus nerve kind of touches at the base of our neck where you think about where your um, spine goes into your like brain, like brain core back there, the brain, the spine brain connection, the back, and I had him touch that, I had him touch on his face and I said, I want you to take deep breaths and it shocks your system. It's going to do that. It does it to me every day. I do this technique every day. It does it to me every day and it, it, you never get used to it. But basically what it does is it just calms the nervous system down so that you can perform. And so in the corporate world, if the, if the entity, if the organization is driven by numbers, we're crunching numbers, we're high performing, and that's, your system is already taxed because you were trying to get the kids out the door. You were trying to uh, fight traffic. You're trying to make your numbers. Anything that pushes up against that is going to cause you not to perform. So I teach leaders, I teach teams how to build resiliency by, number one, identifying that and taking these very quick entry point tools to calm the nervous system down. So, so that leader said to me, not only was I able to do that, go and have this fantastic meeting after you left, and then water was, was spilling on his shirt and his tie, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's not gonna make a great presentation, but it's about the deeper work. And so he said, not only was I able to do that, I called him a few days later, and he said, I was able to fall asleep, I hadn't slept in weeks, and I was able to not take that Monday into Tuesday. So I want to say that again, because we underestimate sleep. We underestimate the power of that, 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 that middle part of our brain where our amygdala is, our hippocampus, that middle part of our brain where our emotions are and our memories are. We underestimate how much that works when we're sleeping. That puts our emotions in the appropriate place. That puts our memories in the appropriate place. I'm doing research now on how we can help people survive um, lack of sleep and nightmares going through, through COVID by kind of rewiring some of this stuff is a side note, but I just wanted to say, so, so the corporate way is to really have the individual identify those triggers as Jason talked about with, with um, cognitive behavioral therapy. That's the, the tool I use as well. And then being able to take these physiological neurofeedback, biofeedback tools to calm themselves down. Now on an average, would someone actually recognize that they have these issues going on, that their stress levels that when they're at work? Um, because, you know, you, when, you, when you're in a couple world, you're so wound up. You basically just, you know, you go in, you clock, yeah. you sit down, you start, you boom, 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 boom. So yeah. when, when does a person really recognize that there is something going on that they need to come see you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some people will recognize it when production decreases. Um, they have less tolerance for individuals that they're working with. Um, someone may have made a comment. Um, they don't remember how they've gotten home after work. They're on what they call autopilot and they're tim tim timbering on the, the burnout phase. Mm -hmm. And so 
Um, sleep patterns will change. Um, eating habits may have changed. And they just are less tolerant. Now, you'll have some professionals that will say, oh, I thrive under stress. And then I just show them what stress does to your body. You know, it just breaks it down. We're not meant to thrive under stress. We're meant to use stress to get us away from a bear that's in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, we're not meant to just like survive on that. Okay, Autumn, this is Colorado. That's why she said parking lot, okay? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be alarmed. <laughs> you know, you know and, and it's interesting, Nina, when you're talking about sleep, because that comes up a lot with individuals yeah. in terms of like uh, night terrors and things like that. And yeah. the other thing is, is uh, you know, when we go on RAM sleep in these five different stages, we um, a lot of people forget. We're actually, when we sleep and we get into the RAM stage, that's actually when our brain is actually healing. Yeah. Right? So that's and it's, why and it, it under, and when you see it, it's working harder than it is when we're awake. Mm, like it's really much. firing because it's it's healing and it's placing our emotions and our memories in the appropriate places. Mm -hmm. So so I go back to that corporate example. So if I rewire, if I rethink about my relationship with Jason mm -hmm. or with Dexter, I don't go home having nightmares about that, right? I've been able to work through that during the day and it created a different memory. And so I sleep in a different way about that. I needed you three years ago. Where were you? <laughs> I, I was with an employer and whenever I came home, whenever I sleep, I brought it home. It yeah. was in my sleep. It was my nightmares. Yeah. Mm. Constant. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. You know, and then, you know, it's, it's interesting when we, as we get into like construct this show right here, which I'm so glad that we're sitting and doing it so our listeners can tap in. Um, I was thinking about the, the trauma avenue and then resilience as we were talking about. So Nina, my question to you is, is what is your personal definition of resilience? Wow. My personal definition of resilience is being back in the game mm. um, at a faster rate every day. So what do I mean by that? Um, I used to be, I grew up in Los Angeles and um, I was a very much so, um, introvert which i still am so i held my emotions in and so resilience for me is things that used to trigger me things that used to make me active in terms of an emotional state may have taken me out right i, I don't want to talk i just want to you know be by myself for a week then it's less it's three days and now i'm back in the game in the same day sometimes it amazes me that this resilience work is a practice mm -hmm. i'm not an athlete but when athletes get to that that like zone it's a practice that gets them there and so for me resilience work is the is a life work and it's a practice work it's a work that over time people in the mindfulness space are starting to release data around this practice that they'd rather you do 10 minutes over 10 days of mindfulness than one day for 110 minutes mm. to get you there does that make sense so so it's this practice of building up our system so we're more calm. It's this practice of knowing what our heart rate variability numbers are. It's this practice of knowing that to, to, to stimulate my vagus nerve, all I need is 30 seconds of cold water. Remember that, that executive went, <clears throat> and then he said, I said, what happened? He said, I just remembered it's water. It's only water. We need 30 seconds to calm us down. Wow. And so for me, resilience is being able to go through 
a COVID experience, being able to go to, through a job transition, being able to go through transi transition in our personal relationships, and being able to stay in the game, being able to recognize that, oh, even though I'm going through this and I want to stay on, on social media, I need to put that aside and really shoot for eight hours of sleep. I need to rewire my memories about my relationship with my coworkers so that I can sleep and rest and digest. And that's resilience to me. Wow. And it's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> like healing is contagious. You know, wow, 30 minutes flew by. Uh, <laughs> so what I want to do is just, you know, say thank you for, you know, coming on the show and, and doing oh, it with no next and uh, just talking about, you know, healing modalities, yeah. right? Just things yeah. that we can use for, for everyday life and when we are trying to grow and put that effort in. So um, I'm going to pass it to Dex and then Nina, you'll have the last word for what you want the people to remember. Well, what I'm going to say is this. I definitely want to invite you back because I want to dig, okay. I want the audience to learn more. Okay. Because I think the more they learn, the more they understand, the more they'll reach out to you because they'll realize this is something they need. Like I say, if, that's why I said, where were you three and a half years ago in my life? Yeah. I remember the stressors coming in and the nightmares I had, and it was just yeah. always work related. Yeah, yeah. It's the stress. So I would love mm -hmm. to have you back on again to go okay. so people can understand how, how important it is, the work that you do, the work that Jason does, that that way, if you're in the corporate world, it's going to allow you to maintain within the corporate yes. world. Yeah. Yeah. And That's not, it. and not jump out of it because of you, that, like I said, the, the flight. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the hard part about those triggers is that you can jump out of it. And you can almost meet that exact same person and it'll take you right back to that experience. Absolutely. So what I would like to leave with is, is this. The work that we talked about, as Jason said, people might say, oh, now I got to know about my brainwaves. Oh, now I have to do the work. Oh, now. <laughs> really, all we're talking about with, with these tools is that take one or two into your daily life. So one tool that I like to leave people with is that if you find yourself tensing up or if you find yourself responding, just pause for a moment and label five things in the in your area. Like for me, it's a gray computer, it's an orange water, water bottle, it's a brown necklace. Just label five things to calm yourself, bring yourself back to the center, and then move forward. That takes you out of fight or flight into executive level functioning. And then I know it's a push, but I'm gonna go there to stimulate the vagus nerve. If you're a shower person, take 30 seconds out of your shower to either go warm cold or cold cold and stimulate the very vagus nerve. All the research says it gives us one hour of calm. You can't do that. Use what I used with the executive and then just stimulate that nerve with, with um, actual um, cold water. People can find me on Instagram at Nina Sonobia, S-O-N-O-B-I-A. And I, I post on Fridays, Brain Fact Fridays. And one of the posts from two weeks ago was about the vagus nerve. And you can gargle to stimulate the vagus nerve when you're brushing your teeth. You can do certain things just to, just to calm yourself down. So those are my tips. Right. Um, now, also, I just want everybody to know uh, Nina's website is solonco, S-O-L-O-N-C-O.com. Uh, phone numbers, can I give out that number for you? Yep, absolutely. 
303-949-6753. Yeah. And, and I'm, I've worked with people all over the country um, with biofeedback because we're able to use um, tools where I can see what's happening in your system. So it doesn't have to be Colorado-based, but yeah, most of the clients are here in Colorado. Awesome. So, so question on that. So basically you can say you do virtual, correct? Yes. In this, in this um, state that we're in right now, I'm doing a lot of virtual work. Um, some of my work in the aerospace with commercial pilots has been in the virtual space as well because of their, their schedules. Yep. Awesome. Well, Nina and Jason, I want to thank both of you for joining HNC Let's Talk podcast today. And again, both of you are always welcome to join. And on that note, we're going to sign off.